And we are back with part three, the Loch Ness Monstrosity. Nessie. Yeah, my girl, my homegirl, Nessie. Who are you again? I am the great and powerful Mr. Reed. If this is your first episode as a three, and you're getting on three part three of a three-parter <laughs> as your first taste in the Crimson of the Corn, well, welcome. Welcome. To you're Crim- an odd duck, but we like our ducks odd. Yes, we do. Absolutely. No peekins here. And I'm your scallywag. Oh, yeah. Who the hell are you? <laughs> the scallywag, Jay, today. And together we're the Corn Podcast, professional podcasters, mm-hmm. international sensation. We put the sin in syndication. No, we don't. That's I was like, a, what? I don't know. That's just from a song. Oh, I was like, I don't understand what that meant. <laughs> Me either. Uh, so we've already done, like, the, uh, part one was the history of Loch Ness and Loch Ness itself. Part two is just famous sightings. Uh, part three, we're going to start off with modern monster sightings. And by that, I mean this year. Like very 2022. Current, very recent, yes. Just everything that's been seen this year. There's six of them, so we should be able to buzz through this pretty quick. And then we'll get into some other stuff. Remember, this has come out this year? 2023 is when this episode will be out. We're recording it in 2022, just so everybody at home knows. Time travel. Time travel. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so for this is the how many things happened in 2022. Okay. Total number is six. And this comes from the official Loch Ness Monster Sighting Registry, uh, LochNessSighting.com. I love this website. Is it like the BFRO, but just of Loch Ness? It is a lot lower budget. Okay. But a lot better sighting reports. Ooh, okay. I like the sound of that. Uh, I, I don't quite like how the BFRO breaks stuff down sometimes. Can be confusing. Yeah. This is pretty much just like kind of what our other project is. Just straightforward. Boom. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they, they average for the last like 50 or 60 years, they've been averaging about 13 mo- credible monster sightings a year. Okay. This year only had six. And uh, they think it may be due to COVID and stuff like that. Not as the monsters any less sighting, but just because they still were like coming off of some stuff with COVID. Like nobody's traveling and stuff like that. Oh, I thought the monster was staying away from people. Yeah, six, 60 distance. foot distance. Yes, 60 foot, yeah. So we're going to start backwards. Okay, so the so, most recent. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, October 11th, a mother and daughter are visiting the east of Scotland reported seeing the following creature at 524. 20 yards off the bank, we noticed a large break in the water, which was otherwise still and calm. As we watched a black lump appear out of the water and sat there for approximately 30 seconds before disappearing once again under the water. After another 30 seconds, the black lump resurfaced a short amount of time before disappearing under the water again. The lump appeared to be a boxy, boxy in shape, about the size of a football. Not super big, but boxy, like a boxy snout. Okay. Uh, Sorry. The lump appeared to be boxing. It did not appear to be swimming about. Rather, it was just bobbing and disappearing under the water before resurfacing and doing the same thing for a second time. The picture shows below. She actually included it. She got a... Hmm. Okay. I... uh, This may be another... Not the Loch Ness Monster. This may be the Loch Ness Monster, but this may be another rare uh, visitor to Loch Ness. I was thinking a turtle. Mm Mm-mm. Okay. Uh... Uh, well, not, it may be a turtle. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say no. Yeah, but I, 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 I thought, for what I'm thinking. Right. No, I think it may be a seal. Oh, okay. Uh, supposedly, there's a history of them getting into the lock before. I can't remember. There was one that got in the lock like in the 80s a and seal. got back out. Yeah. Yeah, a fin whale tried to get into the lock in like the 80s too. 
uh, swam up the River Ness. Good Lord. Are those big? Yeah. Okay. 80 foot or so. Oh, that's pretty big. A uh, semi and a half. Did it get stuck? Yeah, they had to drag it out backwards. Oh, my gosh. Okay. They had to tow the thing out. But, yeah, so, yeah. This appears, I don't know, a really square boxy head, though. Well, I almost thought of, like, a, a log on end bobbing up. And, and that could too. be that, too. Yeah. And she said it didn't be moving or nothing. Uh, manatees will kind of do that, too, kind of just breathe in a spot, go back down, breathe, and go back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so how some of these marine mammals, specifically, how they dive for so long, is they kind of use the, all of their muscle tissue as a lung. They store excess oxygen in it to pull out. Okay. Uh, so that's what they do. They hi- kind of hyper-soak their muscles in oxygen. Is that how David Blaine did it when he stayed in the water for like David Blaine is three a cryptid. Days? <laughs> He's a what? He's a cryptid. Exactly. He's a different kind of thing. He's interdimensional. <laughs> that explains a thing or two. Uh, let's go to August 27th. A local resident was on the hill above Lockard uh, when they saw a wake moving against the prevailing current in the Lockard in the direction of Durmonkutchukin. Durmonkutchukin. So you can Google that? Yeah. Good luck. Uh, with no visible cause of the wake, the, sli- uh, the, the site la- lasted seven minutes and took uh, he took some footage. Here is a still from the video. So, see there's the main wake going back? It's yeah. the little one is what he's talking that about. The little white wake. There is something there. That is, that's not a boat wake. That's a different kind of wake. Whether it's a waterfowl or something like that. I've seen very little waterfowl. Make ni- very large wakes. It'd be nice if there was a video accompanying it. There is on their, their page. Okay. I can't really tell if there's anything there or not. Like above the surface, I get. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, this is the best one, I think. Could it be a toy boat? Sure. Like an RC car boat? Yeah. Thing? It could be any of it. Uh, hey, This is, I think, the best one of this group. Okay. I think it's a pretty good one. Uh, to, or April the 25th. Uh, a couple was on holiday when they were staying at a cottage overlooking York Castle. I've said it different every time. <laughs> and they saw something in the water at 6.16 a.m. They took a video, which was later examined by the local photographer and video expert, who said that it captured was uh, clearly, an- or whatever they captured was clearly animated, came out of the water before going back in again, and then out once more. And then definitely was larger, for example, than a bird life in the lock. So I, I don't really get how, he- I'm not a video expert. But I don't really get how he gets the size, but it's definitely something alive. Okay, what makes you say that? Just from the, I know you only get a still, but yeah. from the video, you can see it's swimming. Whatever this thing is, okay, is gotcha. actively being alive. Okay, it's not like a log cruising by. It's right. not like a boat wake. There's an animal present in the center of this, undulating. Yeah, and whether it's, you know, if it's 15 feet long, it's hard to tell. Or it's a, you know, if it's a, a loon. I don't know if they have loons, but you know, like a classic loon. Uh, next one is, again, another April one, but 10 days earlier, on the 15th, a local man, Glenn Blevins, reported this. I was near Arborborough Castle uh, on the 15th, uh, working on the banks of the lock when I saw a large animal object in the water uh, between both banks of the lock, approximately 9.30 a.m. It was dark in color and stayed there for about 20 seconds before sinking into the water. I watched it with binoculars that I had taken with me in hopes of seeing an osprey that I had recent or that had recently returned into the area. It was difficult to estimate the size, but it was definitely larger than a seal given the angle. There are many or there may have been two of these things, but one like one behind the other. Hmm. 
Uh, he explained that he lived in the area for over 30 years and worked regularly around these locks at this time, and he had fished the uh, he had fished there many times. He said he'd never seen anything quite like this before, and he felt privileged to have witnessed it. Um, so he definitely he was, yeah, it was weird to him. Right, I, I yeah. liked his I liked his report. I mean, it's it's nice having someone that's been there so long. Other than the one guy that did the boat tours for twenty six years. So why I like his is he gave his name. Yeah, he works on the lock. He fishes there. He's never seen it before, and he just kind of was happy. He finally got to see it. And he wasn't there looking for it. Yeah, he was working. Like he literally does lot, or he does bank repair. He does what? Like kind of that's he does bank like bank repair. Oh, bank repair. Okay. Yeah, keeping the locks bank stable so they don't erode away. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Another April one on April fourth. Tom. Oh, we are, we just talked about Tom. Uh, Ingrid. I'd have to see it again. Ingrid. Uh, with the sonar. Oh, okay, okay. So, this uh. He got another sonar, Im- or yeah, he got another sonar image this year. Oh, so this is okay. Yeah, yeah the last one was 2011, 2012, I believe. So he got another strange sonar image, and this could be that of a sturgeon. From the looks like it, they accidentally used the same one from before. That's uh, why I was getting confused. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it, this one uh, I have seen it on the page. It definitely could be a sturgeon. Hmm. I think we we talked about that, didn't we? Maybe I don't know. I oh, it was a week ago. Just this recently? No. Now we talked about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, March 30th, 2023. Jamie, uh, uh, a documentary maker visiting from Tyne and Ware. Tyne and Ware is a city, I guess. Reported at 11.18 a.m. He saw the following with his colleague Warren Speed. Diving, or driving down the road past Bluxkin. Cemetery. Myself and I, or myself as a passenger in the vehicle, I looked towards the cemetery and a large object slash creature in a lock caught my eye. At first, I thought it was a big boulder or something. As first time to the area, I don't know the layout, and I said to my friend driving, "What's that? It's huge." I could see movement in the water breaking against it. As I told my friend to stop the car, where the cars stopped the tree or stopped the trees, obscured the view. So he reversed the ob. He reversed, and the object and creature was fully gone. Mm. Uh, yeah. So he taken. He took a picture of the kind of the presence in the water it left after. Yeah. And he drew a picture of what the uh, what he saw saw beforehand. And it's like a giant black mass, like it, but like tall. So what? I really don't know what he's seen. What do you mean like tall? As in it's coming out of the water a lot, or what do you mean tall? Like uh, it's it's at least seven foot out of the water and it's fifteen foot wide. Oh dang! Okay. So it's standing up very tall. Okay. But yeah, so that's yeah, that's all of them from 2022. And that's crazy. I mean, uh, with I don't know. I guess you just don't hear too many of the sighting stories. You know, with Loch Ness, be, especially being so popular, you think that would be like. Not m- big news, major news, but you think it would, especially in our circles, you know, make the rounds. I don't think I've really heard any of these this no. past year. No, it's because it gets buried. It, nobody believes Loch Ness Monster's real. Yeah. And if they do believe, even in our circles, they believe she's dead. Yeah. I think they're probably close to extinction, if not extinct. Mm-hmm. But from these most modern sightings all the way back to, like, some of our earliest ones, the, the main through thing is seeing the black mass. Like it's definitely always a black mass from most of the legitimate ones. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's just a big black creature in the lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of it for this year. Yeah. Uh, I like these because they're short, quick. This is really what you would see. I think some of the ones from the 60s on, uh, the famous ones, kind of make... I think that's why nobody really cares about Loch Ness anymore, as far as international. I'm like, we don't talk about Loch Ness. I mean, how many times have you heard anything about Loch Ness? How many monster conferences have we gone to this past year? And how many times have you heard about Nessie? I don't not once. Yeah, nothing's coming to mind. We've heard of all sorts of lake monsters and stuff, but never Nessie. Yeah, that's why, like... I think the flavor over the last 40 years has poisoned it. Been soured. Mm-hmm. Well, especially when you get the hoaxes and then the well-known hoaxes. It'd be like if uh, Gimlin, Patterson Gimlin, well, Gimlin came out and said that their video was a hoax. You know, it'd probably be the same thing to the Bigfoot story and community. Would just crush it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would. It would kill. Like, it would kill it. Uh, so we're going to quickly glance over some of the monster hunts. I'm trying not to make this series 18 hours long. Right, yeah. Uh, the Edward Mountain Expedition in 1934. Uh, uh, Edward Mountain financed the search for the famous Loch Ness Monster. The search party consists of 20 men positioned themselves around the Loch Ness for five weeks. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., all 20 men were given binoculars and cameras and searched for evidence of the monster. At the end of the search, 21 photos had been taken. Unfortunately, none were consistently clear enough to see the evidence of Nessie. Um, this was supervised by a zoologist who claimed uh, he had captured an image of a seal. Unfortunately, though, this specific image was lost. Hmm. He paid these guys like 15 bucks a day in 1934. That's a lot of money. Uh, he was, he, and he just, he literally stationed these 20 so men around the lake with a really high dollar camera each of the day. And he's like, you're going to stand here from pretty much any time there's sunlight from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Sounds and every awful. you're going to take a picture of every fifteen bucks a day in 1934 was a lot of money. Yeah, I know. And most of these men were, uh, uh, I forget the term, the work a day men, where they would basically wait at an area, and gotcha. mm-hmm. would may not may not guaranteed work. What is the name of that? I know there's a name for it. I can't think of it. I don't know. These guys had over a month of fifteen dollars a day. It's pretty good pay. Yeah, that's probably that's more than they made probably in two years. So what did they catch? They catch anything? They got twenty one images. Uh, none were really good. I mean, these were not professional so, photographers. Yeah, I get why he did it, and but it just and then the James uh, James was the head zoologist, and it just didn't turn out good. Mm, okay. Uh, the Loch Ness Phenomena Investigating Bureau. The failure of Mountains Party did not discourage other groups from uh, trying the search on their own. In 1962, the Loch Ness Phenomena Investigation Bureau, the LNPIB, was formed by Norman Collins. Uh, and, uh, this group tracked the Loch Ness Monster leads for over 10 years before disbanding in 1972. Hmm. Dr. Golden Tuckers conducted sonar studies in 1967 through 68. Uh, at least, uh, I'm just trying to... He captured some large shoals of fish. He got some that were moving up to 10 knots. They did not appear to be fish. Or, so he did get one image that was like not, it was moving very fast and did not appear to be many objects. It appeared to be one giant solid object. Okay. Was it in perhaps an algae bloom or some zooplankton? Yeah. Could have very well have been. Yeah. Yeah, it was zooplankton. See, people don't think about that angle when. It was zooplankton on sonar. Krill. Oh, krill, at least I can see. Okay, yeah. 
I can have a handful of krill. True. I can't. I can't look at a handful of zooplankton. Yeah, it's called water. It's called water. I hate. Just that. I just hate. I hate. Yeah. Operation Deep Scan in 1987. This is the famous one. Yep. Uh, 1987, 24 boats were equipped with echo sonar equipment and used as part of Operation Deep Scan, the mission to find Nessie. The results found a large mass at the bottom of Loch Ness. Many wrote it off as regarding as a pile of debris, but uh, but motion in three of the images made it questionable. So the image, the thing they found at the bottom was moving. Mm-hmm. There are skeptics who claim that this motion was likely caused by uh, seals entering the lock. At, through an underwater cave, but others pointed out uh, it could be the Loch Ness monster. See, why don't people acknowledge? Like, no one's really acknowledging the underwater caves at all in any of these because there's no proof of them. Gotcha. So, but these, so they're just speculating. Yeah. Uh, this one, I want to make something clear. Sturgeon don't pop up on sonar very often unless you know what you're looking for. Because they lay on the bottom. They look, yeah. So they look like, and this is a 1987 sonar. My modern sonar I have that I use for ice fishing and stuff, I can see the density of objects. Dang. You couldn't at this point. That's pretty intense. So like, I can tell there's a log or a plant or whatever. Right. Now, you, this you couldn't. So this would just look like a rock along the bottom. Right. So if you're not paying attention, and let's say the creature is laying on the bottom most of the time. You just go right over Right it. over them. Uh, 2003 is the last kind of famous one. Uh, BBC sponsored a search for a lock using 600 sonar beams and satellite tracking. The search of uh, sufficient resolution to identify a small buoy. No animal of substantial size was found, and despite their uh, reported hopes, the scientists involved admitted that this proves Loch Ness Monster was a myth. Mm. So they say. Yeah, you can't prove it was a myth just because you didn't find something. Yeah, I don't trust the bbc right exactly that's one thing too and i don't know like i know sonar works as like sound waves you know bouncing back and whatnot don't we have the technology now to like literally scan like with a laser the whole freaking lock like you can't just drive a boat with this like fan shaped laser under the water and just i don't know just drive a certain amount and then scan the whole area and like map it it's very hard to do I mean, I don't get it. I mean, we can 3D print anything. Why can't we? I don't know. We talked about the shape of the lock is very, very limiting. Right, yeah. Which you know, I Sonar can interference, s- stuff like that. I can see that. that. So Deep Scan found more than what they said. Uh, they found a bunch of logs that were floating in the middle of the water column. So that's the thing with Deep Scan is they found a bunch of logs floating in the water column. And this does happen in Loch Ness because of that slow decomposition. And these kind of logs will kind of gain buoyancy from the gas bubbles in them. Right, so they sit right in the water. I see it. Yeah. How do you know it's a log? Right, unless it's literally... Nobody has seen them. Yeah. Nobody went down there 500 feet to make sure it was a log. So they admitted this on there? Yeah, and then they'd go back and it wouldn't be there because it's floating with a current. Right, makes sense. Duh. (sighs) This, you know, a 23 meter long... I don't know how big that is. 23 meter long. How big is that? Uh, almost a hundred feet. So yeah, that's freaking huge. That big of a, you know, those logs just floating around down there. Yeah, yeah. Negatively buoyant. All right, so that's it for the monster hunts. Uh, besides the harpoon guys. 
Yeah. We never got a follow up on that one. Uh, I think they all died to, in a boating accident. <laughs> I wonder what happened. Well, they gun, probably shot the thing. Their gun blew up. Uh, what if they actually hit the monster and just made it mad? They probably would have drug them right down into the water. Because, you know, you hit a whale with a harpoon, they are alive for a long time. Don't they just go? And they get mad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Uh, so, Aleister Crowley. We're okay. just going to touch base on him. Okay. Where's the so this is something that I've never heard before the Aleister Crowley connection so, to Loch Ness. So Aleister Crowley owned a house in Blockenshine. He is the Blockenshine house uh, on Loch Ness. So uh, Aleister Crowley supposedly it's kind of without getting too in depth in it because this is not an Aleister Crowley episode. Right. Keep mind this was. Trying to look when is it nineteen thirty three? So when Loch Ness monster sightings were really starting to pop off. Okay. Before uh, the hoax. Yeah. The famous hoax. He owned this mansion and he said he was basically spiritually ending this place called the Black Lodge. And the Black Lodge was basically a kind of like a jail cell with like four or five high end super evil demonic entities. Okay. So not even necessarily people. No, these the Black Lodge is not a real like a physical place. Okay. He would go to this mansion at Loch Ness to, and then he would psychically enter the Black Lodge. Makes this sense. is not an Aleister Crowley episode, so we're not going to go into this extremely heavy. Right, but I'm following along. One of the five or six entities that were in the Black Lodge was this creature that consists kind of the looks of Loch the Loch Ness monster. Okay. And Aleister Crowley, other people in his field have claimed that he did not shut the door behind him when he Ooh. left very successfully. So some of these creatures spilled out. Uh, this is actually credited to the start of World War II. Oh, okay. It was a different one of the creatures from the Black Lodge, a different <laughs> one of the entities. Uh, but one of basically, I think the Loch Ness Monster is one of them. Okay. Why is that? Because he, was, he did this on Loch Ness. His house he did this in was on Loch Ness. The okay. creature that he said lived there kind of looked like the modern indentation of the Loch Ness monster. Okay, is, is there like records of these creatures that were held there? No, the Black Lodge is not real. Oh, I, so. it's not a physical place. It's not like right. But he never still like wrote down or anything. He wrote down all kinds of stuff. He's okay. he's insane. Well, yeah, I think so too. Uh, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't get why people keep saying this. Because the Loch Ness Monster was seen 2,000 years before this event. But maybe there was a big break in action. And maybe uh, maybe, maybe they were seeing something else, like Giant Eel or something. And then he released this thing back. I think he loved the spotlight. Or that too. And that 1934, the Loch Ness Monster gets famous. Mm-hmm. Ah, that was me. Aleister Crowley loved to be... Okay, he was a man that he was famous for wanting to be the most evil man in the world. He called himself the Great Beast 666. And, but he wanted people, he wanted to be famous. He's one of those type. Okay. So he still wanted to be invited to parties and stuff like that because gotcha. he was the Great Beast. Yeah. So he was just a limelight guy. Hmm. Not a fan myself. No, I don't care for him. Yeah. All right. So we have one more thing before we get into possible explanations. You gotta wake up, Jay. I'm listening. I'm focusing. The eDNA survey. Okay, this is where it'll get juicy. Sit up. 
I'm I'm focused. Your eyes are closed. This is where I'm in my thinking mode. Uh, the international team, consisting of researchers from the University of Otago, uh, Copenhagen Hall in Highlands in the Islands, did an eDNA survey in the lake in June of 2018 looking for unusual species. Okay. As a result, the results were published in 2018. No eDNA of larger fish such as sharks, sturgeon, or catfish were found. No otter or seal DNA was obtained either, but they had a lot of eel DNA. Uh, I'm going to finish this before I get into this. I'm going to finish their little report. Okay. The leader of the study, uh, Professor Neil Gamley of University of Otago, said he could not rule out the possibility of eels of extreme size, though none were found, nor were there any caught. Uh, the other possibility is that a large amount of eel DNA was simply because there's so many little eels. No evidence of any reptilian sequencing was found uh, from any of the any of the stuff. He also added, "I so I think it can be fairly sure that there's probably not a giant scaly reptile swimming in the lock." But let me let, let me just calm down for a second. Yeah, because I had trouble reading that, not because it was hard to read, because I don't know what they did with this eDNA study. Okay, I I collected eDNA. eDNA. They know there's otters and seals. Well, they well, the seals are m- maybe. Never mind. hundred percent, there was otters. Yeah, a hundred percent, there are sturgeon. And then it collected neither. They didn't get any of their DNA. So what makes you think the study worked? What makes you think the survey wasn't accurate? What What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, we found eel DNA. Of course, you're gonna find eel. The bottom's made of eels. <laughs> made of it. Heck yeah, it is. They live in all the mud at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what the hell are you talking about? So I, they found, let me read it again. Sorry. <laughs> of course, I didn't find any shark DNA. I don't really get that. There are catfish in the lock. Whales, catfish are an invasive species. They found no otter or seal. They didn't find any, they didn't find any sturgeon or otter DNA. Species, two species we know for 100% are in the lock or in its watershed. Right, exactly. Which anything in the watershed should, should come be up in there, yeah. within seven days. If it's been in the watershed within seven days, mm-hmm. this is insane. This survey is a joke. I don't know if so. I don't even say Neil Germlin knows it was a joke. Whoever he had collect his samples messed up bad. What do you think happened? You could just he okay eDNA. It has to be collected from the water. Has to be chilled. And harvested within like five hours. Okay. All in all at one stop. You can't go out and collect. So when we would do it, we'd have to collect all those DNA samples. And let's say it's like warmer than seventy degrees outside, which it can be on Loch Ness. When they did this, I'm sure they did this in. They did it in June. Okay. So midsummer. It's hot. Yeah. You have to chill them. Immediately go back to the hotel room or wherever your lab is, and pull out the eDNA before it starts breaking down and degrading. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, the only sample you're going to get, let's say you did have a degrade. The only sample you're going to get is the most large sample in there, which is the billions of eels that live in Loch Ness. I was saying, whatever, yeah, exactly. What didn't de- degradate the fastest. But it ruins the rest of the sample. And if you leave that bottle out in the sun, mm. the algae will destroy everything in that bottle. Mm, okay. It's the, the DNA collection of the survey, and it's probably whoever's the techs. It's probably the techs. It's probably nobody at the head of the study. Right. Probably the techs are like, we're looking for the stupid Loch Ness monster. This doesn't matter. 
you think I was going to say I've worked with survey crews with that with that mindset. Do you think it was set up to fail? It could have been, but I've worked with survey crews. There were we were looking for endangered species mm-hmm. where we knew they weren't, so nobody cared. Right, I get that. So they, I could definitely see that we're looking for the Loch Ness monster. All right, well, I'm not gonna bust my butt to get back to the lab to pull this DNA out. Right, because we're not gonna find it anyways. Right, I definitely think that's what happened. Man, that's what I'm wondering too. Like, because this professor, I almost guarantee he never left his lab. I was gonna say, do you think they chose these people? You know, to do the, no. He, because you know who you have do this? Do you have collect the sample? Who? The lowest paid and the newest. Well, that's what I'm saying. You think they chose those people specifically. Now, if like you were really wanting to find evidence of Loch Ness, you would have your best you know, guys on the job collecting it, doing it the proper way. Well, it depends on who's writing the check. Well, yeah, true. Because like, yeah. uh, so Ed, the old job I worked at, a guy named Ed, to get him on site mm-hmm. was so much more money to, than to get me on site. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Do you think whoever wrote the check then because you followed the money? You I know? don't even think it was on purpose. I just think it was just because I've seen this happen with stuff that happens here. Right. No, I get it. That doesn't matter. I get it. It just. But this, but this has I so think much. I think this is so much just garbage. I think they just wanted to satiate somebody. Well, I'm saying this has so much legend and lore behind it, the Loch Ness Monster. But what's it really change? It just keeps the mystery alive because it, it just says, like, okay, it doesn't exist. Yet people are still having these sightings. You know what I mean? But, oh, no, here's scientific evidence. It doesn't. I don't know if it just keeps the lore and the the thrill of it alive. Maybe the people who funded the uh, thing have, like, you know, financial investments in the lock. And, you know, one, they don't want to lose whatever real estate they have there. Or, two, they're still making a lot of money off the tourism and the everything to it. So if you just say if – you, if you confirm it's there – I mean, yes, you can run Tourism the- was going to explode. If a scientist yeah. came out and said, yeah, guess what? We found DNA of X. Uh-huh. There will be hundreds of thousands of more visitors every year. But where's the where's the negative to that? You know what I mean? Is There's there- not. I, th- I bet there is some it's, for some reason. There's no commercial value to this l- l- lake. Mm. There's no fishing. They barely use it as a hydroelectric dam. So maybe there's something hidden under it. They don't... Who's going to go look for it? You can't dive in the thing. Well, yeah, but they just don't want no one poking their nose around in there. Oh, there also was a Nazi submarine in the lock. See? See? Yeah, no. But what if, like, something weird like that is actually the, and they're like, uh, we need to shut this down now. How can we legitimately do it? I can't remember what lake. There was a, no, that was the Great Lakes. They think there was a Nazi submarine snuck into the Great Lakes. Hmm. It wouldn't freaking shock me. No, it wouldn't. At all. Just following a ship. Exactly, or anything, yeah. A big, large body of water. We'll hide yeah, it there. So I think this DNA survey fell prey to technician laziness. I could see that, yeah. I don't think it was anything nefarious. I don't think anybody cared. I just think this was a grant that some chamber got together. Basically, so this would be fall under probably this lab's charity work. Okay. Because uh, we did the same thing at the lab I worked for. This charity work was like... So this this place, this one man for his little thing, would scrape together like four hundred bucks every year mm-hmm. for us to do like four or five sites for him that we hated, mm. and we charged like three to four grand per site. Just because you could, yeah. But guess what? Guess who never went? Any of the high ranking guys, because it just it was pointless. It wasn't worth their time. So nobody in the office cared. Yeah, I definitely think that's what happened here. Nobody cared. Somebody probably scraped together 
a couple grand. And the guys at the higher ups are just like, yeah, send send yeah Dave and the new and the in the and janitor. then he has to lump out there, and so yeah. you have to collect it in the morning. You can't collect it. Like, there's all this rules of collecting eDNA. Collecting eDNA, we talked about this with some Bigfoot people, is extremely hard to do it properly. Right, because like, you can't have it's human so, interference. I mean, it's so hard to do properly. Yeah. And then, so you you are having, you know you're going to have a really hard day of work ahead. And now you know it's for looking for the Loch Ness Monster that you do not believe in. Yeah. It, you do not. You're not busting your hump. There can be some bias in your work ethic. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think happened here. Yeah, I could see that. Hmm, which is unfortunate. When's, and that's the last time they've done an eDNA survey. That's the first time and the last time so far. It's only 2018, 2019. Still, that's four, three, or four years ago. This is extremely expensive. Okay. Hmm. Like for the lab that run all these samples and stuff like that. You don't. I don't. This is a lot of money. How much uh, samples do they take then? Of, uh, I'm gonna guess they probably did a a sample. I doesn't say. I I could have dug. I should have dug a little deeper. I'm gonna guess they probably did 50 or 60 water samples. And then like, all around the lock, all around the lot, because you'd take them kind of far apart from each other. Roughly, you, you make kind of a computer system kind of designs a pattern for you of where when you sample. go to these geo geoloca- locations to sample. And how much? Uh... And that can be a really big pain in itself, because then it's like you have to figure out. Where that spot the is. most the most sites you can do in the shortest amount of time to get back in the lab before the DNA degrades because mm-hmm. the second you put in the vial, all the other little living things are eating it and right. destroying it and degrading mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. This and is a sucky process. Harvesting eDNA absolutely sucks. You know what they need to do? Maybe uh, why don't they just have like uh, what's that frozen ice? What's it called? I, dry ice. It's just dry Too ice. cold. It's too cold? Yeah. Mm, okay. It's got to be like 34 to 40 degrees. So, oh, okay. So, like, refrigerator temperatures, like, right now. Yeah. It's It sucks. The whole... It sucks. I, did, I don't know what else I, what, I could tell you. <laughs> Collecting eDNA sucks. Sucks. Um, and but, now you have... It really would... It about killed us. Every eDNA survey... We, every only eDNA survey we did about killed us. What do you mean killed you? Because with the amount... We have to get the boat in. Go get the samples. Get the boat out. Run back to the hotel. Pull out the DNA, preserve it, mail it to the lab. You have five hours to do this. So imagine these like fish nerds scrambling around. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. It sucks, and they're probably doing this all summer. Yeah, that's, that would suck. So how long does it take then for each individual, or maybe not how long does it take, but for each individual sample to get you know analyzed, and how much does it cost for each one to get analyzed? It depends on the lab. It depends on the how like this, but thousands of dollars for each one. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So this lab has probably got a grant from some local council that's probably like ten grand, let's say. Yeah. And they're like, this is like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar survey. Yeah, exactly. So like, uh, eh, send the janitor. I mean pretty much. Yeah. And then the guys that are doing it don't want to be there. I can imagine. It's not fun. Collecting you did and that's what Bigfoot I know I'm picking on Bigfoot a lot on the Loch Ness Monster episode. But Bigfoot when you, every time I watch a Bigfoot documentary collect DNA, I'm just like, all right. Something's not right here. I mean, good for you. You yeah. picked up a random hair you found when you breathed on it and you coughed on it and you licked it. I don't know what you wanted to find from that. It's done. And then you it's stuck it in a baggie, a plastic hot baggie in your backpack for four days. Yeah. It ain't going to work out too well, is it? It's just, especially if you think it's Bigfoot's a human or related to humans. 
so is the only way, to, and not to still sticking on the Bigfoot trend, is the only way to collect Bigfoot DNA and like to really get it analyzed? I mean, I know you have to have a bank of already existing DNA to compare yeah. it to, but it's the only actual way to get into the woods, find your specimen, collect it without contaminating it at all, and then getting the heck out of there right now, basically. So eDNA is a little different. That's what we're talking about before. That's just DNA. So no, I'm talking eDNA. So eDNA, you don't need, you don't collect a sample, like a, a creature sample. You collect a water sample or a, oh, a, or right. a soil sample or an air sample. So you got to go in deep in the woods, collect that water sample, maybe downriver system where you think they could. It's be always going to have human eDNA is always going to have human contaminant, mm. but not the levels. Anyway, I just, but so I think the survey was not purposely a joke, but it wasn't done properly. Uh, just because there was no funding for it, the lab doesn't really care. I just know that from other labs. Like, no, I mean not our lab, but labs we worked with for in, like endangered species surveys where we knew that endangered species wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So they performed very poorly. Yeah. Because they're they know they're not going to find anything. So you have this group of undergrads. Oh, they may even be undergrads. They may be unpaid for this. Because mm-hmm. uh, I've read this is partially done by a college. They may be all undergrads. Mm. So now you have unpaid people out there busting their hump to collect DNA. Yeah. Oh shoot! I was going to say. Something along with that. I can't remember what it was. So I think the eDNA study. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, just taking the bias of that out of it, saying like whether it was their poor performance, you just know the survey itself wasn't. Something went wrong because there should have been sturgeon DNA. Exactly. And there 100% should have been otter DNA. So there's. I don't understand why, why they didn't get sturgeon DNA and otter DNA. Mm-hmm. The hell, for all I know, they collected it all from the boat ramp. Right, yeah. They could have just gotten a puddle along the way. I don't know. It's just like there should have had those those key species. Yeah, it should have popped up, and they didn't. So there's the red flag. Yeah. Disregard all the other stuff. That's the red flag right there. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. All right. We're going to wrap this up now in the next hour because uh, it's all possible explanations. Okay. We're going to jump into it right now? Yep. All right. Okay. This is a big list. There is... This is a really big list. And I think the Loch Ness Monster, I'll say this right now, is a big combination of this list. But the core monster, I think, is one of them. And I seen your note from episode two, Jay. Was I right? Yeah. Mm. I hate you. I'm, I'm, Take my thunder. I'm smart. Yeah, that's, the very la- that's the very last thing we'll talk about. Okay. Uh, bird wakes. Huh? Bird wakes. Oh, a bird wakes. I thought you said bird wigs. Bird wigs. I was like, oh, what kind of wig is that? That's uh, a wig that a bird uses. Bald eagles. <laughs> yeah, they need bird wigs. Anyways, now, bird wakes. So there's a couple different types of bird. There's diving ducks, dabbling ducks, and stuff like that. Dabbling ducks, the duck you see go with their little mouth really quick, the kind of yeah. like filter feeding. Yep. What's what's the one? They can almost normally, so it's like a mallard. They can jump up and start flying. Oh, diving ducks, their uh-huh. legs, they, they dive down to the bottom to eat stuff off their bottom. Yep. Their legs are much further back on their body, mm-hmm. the paddle like a penguin. So they have to run on top of the water surface to take off. To get going. I've seen and that too. And they create these very dramatic wakes. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's what they kind of think. This is what this one, and this was put forward by uh, David Morrow. Okay. So David Morrow is the, the, kind of the ones kind of credited with this. But yeah. I think this is some Loch Ness monster sightings. It could be, yeah. Why not? I, I think it's some of them. If I mean, there's thousands. What if you don't? Catch Literally, th- that Loch Ness monster report we talked about earlier. There's thousands on that website. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, gotcha. And I do think 
a percentage, a notable percentage, is these. I mean, even 1%, that's still yeah, it don't, Yeah, it's a notable yeah. percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like, you know, people just don't see the bird taking off or anything, and they just kind of catch the aftermath of it? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I got to plug in the iPad. Ooh, we're losing power. All right, I'm back. Uh, the next one is the eels, the extremely large eel theory. Uh, we did a whole episode on eel theory, uh, so I'm going to kind of point you guys over that one. But the uh, the, the short and dirty version is a species of giant eel has kind of been hidden in the in the modern world. Uh, they're responsible for a lot of these lake river monsters. They uh, mostly are li- like they're living in freshwater environments, one or two animals per environment like and then they go out to the sargasso sea to breed mm-hmm. we talked about the eel uh the 160th with the glass eel the larva eel yep and wasn't that found in loch ness the big one or no no i was found everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't remember. Somewhere in the Atlantic. It was the Atlantic, though. Still close enough. Yeah. But, I mean, and we know that it turned up eel in the EDNA surveys. We know eel live in there. Um, so there's always a possibility of one big one. There's yeah. A possibility. Oh, yeah. And then all building on top of that is the conger eel thought. Okay. So conger eels, they, they get like, and I'm saying it, conger. Uh, they get like nine feet right now. on Like, that's a really big adult. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some reports of them being 15 feet and like seven 800 pounds, and that's a sterile individual, and they have been known to go in freshwater on rare occasions. So let's say a couple conger eels got... St- now with the eel theory and the sonar surveys, why aren't they finding eels on the sonar? The giant eels on the sonar surveys. Well, I imagine they're either all the way at the bottom, or they're in like their little nooks and crannies in the caves. Yes and yes, but I think they have found them if they are giant eels, because you can see this later. Some of the later uh, sonar reports, you, like I told you, you can see densities. Yeah. Uh, there seems to be like logs jammed into mm. the mud. Like the logs, in the yeah. mud. I forgot about the logs. Well, not the floating logs. Even those could be giant eels. Right, yeah. But I'm talking about logs like jammed into the sediment. Mm. That could be logs in the sediment. Or eels will back themselves into the sediment and yep. wait. And just wait there. Yeah. Conger eels are famous for that. Kind of like bobbit worms, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like So, that. giant eel theory, what do you think? Oh, I think... For Loch Ness. I think very well could be a percentage of sightings. You think there's a giant eel in Loch Ness? I think there could be. Okay. I'm just making sure. Whether whether it actually inhabits that area regularly or if it just migrates, you know, or if it's just visiting, I don't know. But I think very well, at least some of the sightings I've seen, especially with the big ripples on top. And I don't know how eels swim at the top of the water. You would know better than me. But I could see one. If, if you see a big, giant eel, you're going to think it's a monster, like a snake-like I mean, serpentine if you thing. see a If you see a normal-sized conger eel... In freshwater, you think it's a monster. Exactly. People see alligator gar and think they're monsters. Exactly. So now you already have the lore of Loch Ness monster being there. You see this, you're going to immediately put one and one, two and two together. Yeah. Elephants. No. <laughs> elephants or elephant squid? No, elephants. Elephants. N- no. 
I'm just gonna say no. Do you want? You don't mean to? Uh, I don't even think you need to, but go ahead, entertain, please. <laughs> All right. A uh, in a 1979 article, California biologist Dennis Power, and uh, geographer. I don't know what a geographer does, but apparently something with elephants, I guess. Uh, suggested they claim so. This is 1979. They claim the surgeon's photo depicted an elephant. The surgeon's photo? Yeah, the one we know is a hoax. Oh my gosh, okay. And basically, and then, okay, you think that's bad? Yeah. In 2006, paleontologist and artist uh, Niall Clark claimed, once again, it was the Loch Ness Monster was an elephant. And then he's the one that kind of did all the drawings of it. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's okay. it. That's how developed this theory is. I'm going to say... No, I'll tell you. So he thinks it was... He thinks the early 30s and 40s ones were... Uh, elephants were being transported a lot for the circus in the area. There are train tracks really close to Loch Ness. Elephants are very, very efficient swimmers, with most of their body being under the water. Right. Kind of sticking the trunk out. I think I've so seen that So he kind of put forward... I know I'm kind of picking on him. He kind of put forward that some of these long neck sightings could have been this, for example... An elephant swimming with its trunk up. Like an escaped elephant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm still going to say a big fat no. Maybe there. Maybe this happened once. Okay, well, sit, put that sightings at point zero one percent. And elephant. then, okay. I don't have the year or the date on this one. I kind of forgot to write this one down. Okay. But hippos. Hippos. Now, can they live in water that cold? Probably not. Didn't think so. That's and, the other thing is hippos okay. can't swim. I was just gonna say that hippos can't swim. I don't think a lot of people realize hippos aren't. They can they can swim, not very good. If you put a hippo in the middle of Loch Ness, it, it would will, die. It will sink to the. Bottom. It'll go seven hundred feet down and explode. <laughs> implode. I'm sorry. It'll implode. Yeah, it'll just squish to death. Uh, no. So this came from a famous hoaxer, who would get out and he'd stomp hippo. He had this stuffed hippo's foot. Mm-hmm. He walk along Loch Ness. And stomp hippo tracks in it. Why do people do that? Uh, to drum up business for tourism. I guess so. So insincere. Here's a weird one. The Greenland shark. And you may know who you may know who put this one out there. I may know. Jeremy Wade. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, now I'm interested. Okay, explain. So, uh, Jeremy Wade was investigating the creature in 2013 as part of his series, River Monsters. He included that the Greenland shark uh, was a very possible candidate. The Greenland shark can reach up to 20 feet in length, and actually we kind of think they get bigger than that now. Right, yeah. Um, Sorry. It inhabits the northern Atlantic Ocean around Canada, Greenland, Iceland, Norway, and Scotland. It is dark in color with a very small to almost absent dorsal fin. According to uh, biologist Bruce Wright, the Greenland shark could survive in a freshwater environment, possibly using the river or lakes to find food, and the Loch Ness has an abundance of salmon and other fish. So Jeremy's kind of theory is that Greenland sharks have historically, historically, not one or two animals getting trapped in the loch, but historically following the salmon runs up and feeding on them and then leaving. Okay. Uh, They do have the right shape. They have the right size. And they're not going to surface very often. No, they don't. And they are very large. This is a very good possibility. And a couple biologists, sharks surviving in fresh water is kind of a big deal. It looks like Greenland sharks may have the the right, uh, there's a, basically they have like a second kidney kind of set. They'll retain salt in their body. 
Oh, okay. So it might not need the salt water. Right. So they, like bull sharks, they, what they do is they, they filter salt out of their urates and out of their, their digestive system and pull it back in to keep the salt, to keep not losing salt. Okay. So the Greenland shark looks like it may have those possibilities to do this also. Yeah, because we don't have too much research on Greenland It's sharks. very, very difficult. Yeah. We're just now understanding them, and they're extremely long-lived. Mm-hmm. So let's say they did build that hydroelectric da- dam. There may only be three or four of them stuck in there. Or here's another thought, too. And they could have been using the saltwater caves a long time ago to follow in, too. Right, that, too. Um, is saltwater more dense than freshwater? If it is, not very much. Okay. I don't know if there's some possibility. Let's say there is like a cave that's still open to the ocean, but it's all the way at the bottom. So it would be by flow. Is no, a- so all the saltwater plumes are coming from the bottom of yeah. lock. Yeah. I mean, is there any chance the saltwater, if it comes in, can just stay down there? Yeah. So they, would, they, would the- separ- they could separate out. So you're not seeing the plumes as much? But Loch Ness is very cold, and at some times the ocean would be a lot warmer. The ocean is always going to be a lot warmer than Loch Ness. So that's saltwater is still going to rise to the top. Hmm. Unless it's coming from like Arctic swirl. I don't know. Maybe it's just lined up just right. So I what don't do you, know. So this Greenland shark one has some merit. And it, it's, it, I don't know if you guys have, I haven't seen a Greenland shark. They look like an overturned boat. And their big. dorsal they're, fin they're, is super far back on their body. Yeah. So if they were up at the surface, you probably wouldn't see their dorsal fin. They're big too. They get there's some there's some evidence point they got they get over thirty feet, and then they have those weird things on their eyes. Yeah, it's a crustacean. So, okay, I can only give this one some legitimacy because one Jeremy Wade, very much respect that man and his opinion. So I'm gonna say this is very much a possibility for some of the sightings, because, gosh, if once lived in there, I mean, there's no timetable. It's definitely still alive in there and you know because i don't we don't know how long they live they could be living there forever but um the only thing that i can cross out on this one is obviously the one seen on land and the weird things like that so this could be a small percentage of sightings sure i i agree i concur yeah never even thought considered that but wait oh the edna turned up no sharks <sighs> Also, turn up no catfish. That's yeah, the next one on the list. Yeah, I know. Right. So, yeah, never mind. They can't really. It, it didn't turn up otters. Yeah. And then we know they're there. We literally, yeah. There's pictures of one. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Can't really, can't so, really can't throw that out the window. The EDNA has been thrown out the window. It yeah. doesn't matter. Well's catfish. Okay. We, we've covered this on a previous episode. Yes. In July 2015, three news outlets reported that, uh, that Steve Flemeth. After a, a vigil, I don't know what a vigil is, at Loch Ness, he, uh, he was recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records, theorized that the monster was an unusually large specimen of the Wells catfish, which may have been released there uh, during the 19th century. Uh, so, Wells catfish are, Wells is not that far no, from not, Scotland. Not at all. Uh, Wells catfish, so weird thing about Wells catfish, here's a really weird thing. They're actually contenders for like the top five spots for biggest freshwater fish. Okay. They get like, I, I think up to 10 feet and up to 500 pounds. That's a big They get fish. a lot longer than they get heavy. Okay. Uh, so like Arapaima only get like seven or eight feet long, but still 700 pounds. Yeah, they're big thick fish. Yeah. Well, catfish, the whole back end of them is like an eel, really thin and long. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they don't look like a catfish very easily. Like they look weird. Yeah. 
they seem to only get big in their non-native environments. Okay. Like in Spain, that's where the biggest ones I think in the world are coming from is right now Spain. Is it because of the is different or something? It's just because they're not invasive species tend to thrive because they don't have natural. They don't have. No, they, they're breaking out of their niche. And no natural predator. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like if there was one in, but it's very cold, so they would have slower growth. But there, this may be a possibility, uh, and I'm talking like maybe a thousand or two thousand years ago being brought up. Okay. So what do you think? Mm, do catfish surface often? These guys do. That was what my comment was going to be. Okay. Is I don't think this is them. Yeah, cause I feel like you would find these. That and you might it might be recognizable. Uh, these things are pretty aggressive predators too. Okay. You would see them eating ducks. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, let's. I'm gonna say a no to the whales catfish. A no to the whales catfish. Yeah, it's just what my gut's telling me. All right. Not that means anything at all, but. So. Other resident animals. It's difficult to judge an object's size in the water uh, without teles- even with telescopes and binoculars with no external references. We kind of talked about that earlier. The Loch Ness monster ha- or the Loch Ness has resident otters, but the EDNA survey says it doesn't. It has resident otters in the photographs of them and deer swimming in the loch. Oh, that's another kind of thing. There's a lot of deer tra- like cover over this loch, and there is historic stories of them being eaten by something. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so something big is eating a deer. Yeah, but no, this is saying that it could be deer swimming across the lot, given oh. that kind of shape. Deer kind of have their head kind of decently above the water. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of this th- this this theory. Hmm. But it's, it seems awfully small. That's what it's saying is without a size reference or without a. We so, talked about that with sky creatures. Oh, so you're saying like with the camera photographs and stuff, people are seeing. Yeah. You know, some of those did. Kind of, even one of the descriptions sounded like a deer head or a yeah. blocky head, something like that. I don't know. There's a lot of deer around Loch Ness. So, oh yeah, then that's very much a small possibility of. I had a deer scare the hell out of me on Indian Lake. Oh okay, what happened? We were it's foggy, we're boating, and it was swimming, I guess, and it came up and went, because it's we scared it. It swam almost into the boat. <laughs> oh my god! It, it hit the water. <laughs> you? Yeah. Did it come up on the side of the boat, or did you come up on it in the front? We no, we weren't moving. Oh, okay, so it, like swam into the boat. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So misidentification. A lot of people think it are trees. Trees bobbing. See, yeah. I think a good chunk of some photos, and because here's the thing, you, you said it earlier, is that you go to Loch Ness to see the Loch Ness monster. You have this in your mindset. This is the home of the Loch Ness monster. Mm-hmm. Every log, rock. Tree, twig, fish, bird is the Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster, mm-hmm. and you got to sort through that a lot. Uh, but like we did, we read the six reports from this past year. Yeah, and I believe that at least three of them probably seen the monster. I can about agree with that. I'd say, and then I think three of them seen other stuff, but it may not be the monster. Correct. So I do, th- I do think trees are a big. Uh, I think the trees are probably seen more than Nessie. A slice, yes, a slice of them is. Probably just trees. I think the biggest proportion of these are trees. Oh, really? The biggest? Or, or misidentified objects in the water. Right, yeah. Uh, because of the whole mindset. And that's only after 19, or 1934. After the hoax, the famous hoax yeah. photo. When it, and that's when it blew up. Right, yeah. Uh, wakes. We kind of talked about that with bird wakes, but boat wakes, stuff like that. 
And there's these things called standing wakes, and then there's uh, loner wakes, which are reverb wakes. Mm -hmm. So basically, one boat wake hits the shoreline perfectly and bounces back across the lake singly. Yep. So you don't have this classic-looking wake. It looks like an animal swimming. I do think this is another chunk of Loch Ness Monster sightings. Very easily. Yeah. Because I've been, I mean, been on a boat and enough, especially on bodies, water, like lakes and stuff, you definitely get that reverb. Yeah. Uh, here's another one, optical effects, optical illusions, mm-hmm. uh, choppy water. Basically, this water can be so choppy and stuff like that. It gives the appearance of like a head or a creature bobbing. I have seen this. I've been on lakes, uh, specifically, even clear lakes, I've seen it, where it looks like a head stuck up real quick. Yeah. And it's nothing. It's the water. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, too, like when you get that, the way the water moves, mm-hmm. there could be like something floating in there, like a piece of seaweed Anything. or any like Any leaves. garbage. Yes. And when it... That wave pops up. It looks like that thing in there, but it's, yeah. it's just under the, just under the surface. I don't know things like that. Uh, here's one: seismic gas. Well, that's what I had this morning. Yeah, I'm having it right now. Uh, no, <laughs> this is proposed uh, by a geologist, uh, Luigi Persicelidi. He's an Italian geologist. Sounds right. Persicelidi. Persicelidi. I'm trying to read it like a scientific name. <laughs> no, it's just because the Great Glen we talked about, the Great Glen Fault, uh-huh. uh, has lots of micro-earthquakes. Okay, so it's And like, does burp up often. Yeah, trapped air underneath. Yeah. So this could be those bubbles people are seeing, the, the kind of what we, they could describe as these humpbacks. Yeah. Or actual seismic gas bubbles. Just bubbles that pop up to mm-hmm. the surface. wonder how big one of those could be. I don't know. Oh, very large. Uh... But I think most of them are probably going to be like six foot diameter. That's pretty big then. Mm-hmm. Can't that sink a boat? Yeah. I've heard about that before. Yeah. It, uh, so anybody that's ever on a boat, if you start having rocks float up beside you, get out of there. It's bad news bears. Well, there's that famous uh, ocean volcano. These guys were like 50 miles offshore fishing. Yeah. And a bunch of pious rocks started floating up around them. Okay. And they're like, huh. And then finally they just kind of puttered away. And then they got like a mile away and... They were just had like a GoPro on because they were fishing. Yeah. Uh, the audio cut out because the explosion blew out all the audio and stuff like Holy that. Holy crap! They were fi- they were sitting right on top. They were fishing the volcano is what they were fishing because they thought it was a plateau, but mm. it's the, the head of a volcano was like two hundred foot below them. And it was exploding. Yeah, but oh, it was kicking wow. off the cap. Yeah. Uh, Gosh. next one hoaxes. I talked about. I have the hippo guy. His name was Maraduke Witherly. Sounds like a hoaxer. He was a big game hunter. Okay. Uh, he had four stuffed hippo feet. So he was the guy making the tracks? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's the guy I talked about earlier. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of these could be hoaxes. I mean, we've already sure. proven today a lot of them are hoaxes. They definitely are. And then we also discussed the motive as to why someone would hoax it. And, you know, we didn't even mention like the just the mudding of the waters of everything. For some reason, whatever reason that may be, but you never know. Yeah. All right. Here we're getting into the good ones. Okay. The really fun ones. Get your mind, massage your brain a little bit. Okay. It's like a didgeridoo. In uh, giant invertebrates. Giant invertebrates. Yeah, you weren't expecting that, were you? No. So like big. Uh, well, I'll tell you. In 1968, F.W. Holliday proposed that Nessie and other lake monsters of the lake, such as Morga, may be large invertebrates, such as bristle worms. 
Bristle worms. So they are kind of closely related to bobbit worms. Okay. Uh, an extinct. He cites the extinct or the extinct Telerostrium as an example of the shape. And this is a very unique looking creature, and definitely it has a lake monster ish shape. According to Holiday, this example of a land sighting with the uh, variable back shape is likely due to the medieval descriptions of dragons or worms. Although his theory is, was considered by Mackerel, uh, he, he found it less convincing than eels, amphibians, and plesiosaurs. Okay. Uh, Mackerel is kind of one of the famous biologists. We really haven't covered him, but looking into this stuff. So what would this be like? I don't know. How could you, with modern day, like, what would this be? I don't know. Like, what animal does this fall under? Like, is there an example for this? No, they're pretty much all extinct. Okay. But it doesn't mean they're all extinct. It just means that we don't have any on the, like, documented examples. Uh, okay. Bristle worms. Uh, there are bristle worms. Don't get me wrong. They're mostly deep ocean. There's that worm. I may have showed you that video, that swimming worm that looks like it has gold on its side. I can't remember. Uh, but kind of imagine a bobbit worm swimming around. Okay. So he's saying it could be a giant one of these. Mm-hmm. Now, can these walk on land or, like, slither on land? We don't know. Okay. All right. He just, I don't think he's right. <laughs> and now let's get, to, uh, before we get to the final one I have for you, uh, I'll just give you the final one. Please use source. The classic thought behind Nessie. Yeah. Long big, neck, please use source. Big long neck, four flippers, and a little tail. A giant marine reptile. Like Lapras from Pokemon. So let's even say that this giant marine reptile from the dinosaur era survived the dinosaur's mass extinction. And I'm not even saying it may not have, because we talked about this with Shatan on months ago, mm-hmm. that I kind of think that maybe smaller versions in the open ocean could have survived. Freshwater, I don't believe. Different, different story. There's a lot of people been here for a long time. Marine reptiles going to have to breathe air fairly often. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Someone's going to see it. Yeah. Whether it's a squid, elephant, what was it? Elephant squid. An elephant squid. Or... And there was another. I actually, I have a different thing with that. Uh, but yeah, so please your source. Well, I used to once upon a time believe that's what it was. Anymore now, I do not think it was that. Yeah, I don't. I have no. For reasons you exclaimed. No, I have explained. no I have no percentage of believing this is a please your source. Yeah, same here. It's just, I think that one's definitely out for me in this day and age. Young me, totally believed it. So there was another guy that proposed, I don't have his name in front of me, not the elephant squid guy, but giant cuttlefish. Okay. Uh, this He has this whole thing with them raising their feeding tentacles above the water as a show of strength yeah. in, their, in their mating rituals. Yeah. Uh, these may be the krakens. They may breed in fresh water. He had a lot of theories. If you were that, that'd be a good freshwater spot to breed in. Sure. I mean, seasonal food. Not a lot of predators. And that's the other thing. So not a lot of predators. Not a lot of predators. Yeah. And it's big and deep and murky. Mm. But it's also very cold, so you're going to grow very slow. If you're living there. But I, I, if it's a nursery. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but who knows? But yeah, giant cuttlefish. Hmm. I'm going to say no, though. I think not. All right. That's pretty much all of them. Is it? Yeah. I feel like you're missing one. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like you're missing one, and I think it's the important one. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you think it's a giant fish. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Is it like a dog pig? A dog pig. Yeah. No, giant amphibians. 
Giant amphibians. But before we get into what I think, yes, there is uh, R.T. Gold suggested the long neck newt. He has a really cool book out there about Loch Ness monster being a long neck newt. He he is one that kind of one that kind of pushed this. He thinks it looks like a plesiosaur, but it's a newt or okay. a salamander or an, some kind of ancient amphibian. Okay, but it does have a long neck. Uh, Roy Mackerel, which we talked about earlier. He thinks this, this. He puts this as eighty-eight percent of what he thinks is the actual Loch Ness monster. Now, is there was there such things as long neck newts? Not that we know about, but we kind of talked it. I don't know, like Newt- nothing like this. Okay, but I'm, I kind of I could get behind it. Mm-hmm. I do not think this is a Loch Ness monster. Like speculative biology says, it could exist. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, newts and salamanders have been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, they could take these niches. So if it was a long neck newt, yeah, it could go on land. Mostly live in the water. If it's a if it's a uh, a dogma sal- or a dogma salamander or something like that, they could be lungless and just getting all their oxygen through uh, their skin. Yeah. So they can go on land for a little bit. And most they don't have to surface to breathe. Uh, yeah, long neck newt. They don't have to, but they can. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Hmm. I be shoot. I don't. I can't really have an opinion on this because I had no idea this is even a possibility. I don't think this is it. Okay. I think you you freaking figured out my thought. Oh yeah, I already. Yeah. Yep. The last episode, Jay wrote down a note. You guys remember? And he freaking figured out my thought. Mm-hmm. But I don't even think he knows why he figured out my thought or why it makes sense. Well, I had a guess in that one story we talked about in that and second we'll go episode. Back. Uh, so the Loch Ness Monster is a normal giant amphibian, a normal giant salamander. Giant is, salamander. I mean giant salamander, yeah. 20, 25 foot long. A big boy. Giant salamander. So as Jay is talking, let me get back to historic sightings real quick. So that one we talked about where the, um, the couple was driving along the road and they seen a creature with the long neck walking when couldn't they didn't really see feet on it didn't see much of a tail. George and, and George and his wife yes and it was walking 1933 across the road with a long neck and then my thought was but it didn't have a tail yes so, so go ahead what I think is it did have a tail yeah yeah and it was hunting maybe perhaps. no you don't think so no continue with your thought don't don't listen to me so I thought maybe it had went on the land and got something and then was retreating back to the water but dragging it backwards so what they were seeing as its tail was actually or as its head and then the neck was actually just its tail sticking up i think that's right and but it was pulling whatever it was backwards to retreat it back into the water no uh here you're right and you're wrong in my okay. opinion okay yes it is a giant salamander or newt that's raising its tail up and that was seen several times in those early sightings on land yeah really tiny little legs Slowly going towards the lock. Yep. Salamander newts. So let's go to newts. We brought, we talked about in episode one, rough skin newts. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost all newt species, what they do when they are threatened is they raise their tail okay. to show their brightly colored underbelly. Mm, okay. So And then they walk backwards like a skunk. I didn't know that. This is what, exactly what they were describing is what they do when they're threatened. Okay. So if a car's coming at you, you raise your tail. You're like, whoa. I'm going to get back to the water. Yeah. Start walking backwards. That's what people are seeing. Ah. I think that's what they've seen. Uh, so there's a really cool website. Uh, I'll tag it in the link below. 
it goes in this whole thing with these giant ambiostoma like or not ambiostoma giant uh andreas like salamanders yeah like the hellbender and stuff like that uh but they are more land-based they're probably more closely related to actual modern day newts okay um but newts are salamanders but salamanders aren't newts or all salamanders aren't newts gotcha like the turtle tortoise thing right exactly uh I think that's what's happening. Is that they're? It's a defense mechanism. Even though they're twenty foot long, they're still really squishy. Right, right, right. So they're still like, ah, get back. But they still have their behavior. I'm patterns. poisonous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, take a don't. You don't want to eat me. Exactly. But especially if it's a car, you know, driving down the road, mm-hmm. I and mean, that's still a big thing. That's a big thing. It's yeah. moving quick at you. Yeah. The motorcycle's super loud. Yeah. And scary. Too. Yeah. You know, uh, they the salamanders and newts get scared very easily. Uh, they've been around for every, pretty much every mass extinction since we've had, since anything's had a spine. Well, I've seen them in your fish, in your tanks in there. Yeah, they spook very easily. Yeah. Uh, so I really think it's the giant salamander. Uh, so the yeah, the famous sightings of the with the neck crossing the road. I didn't have it in here because I saved it for this. Uh, 1932, there was another sighting where a lady walked up to one and said it was a giant salamander. Remember, we talked about this off air. Yep. She said it was a giant salamander. She thought was dead. She poked it with a stick, and it opened its eyes, looked at her, and panicked and ran back to the water. That would be freaking It was scary. a 20-foot-long salamander. That would be she's scary. She's a little old lady. Yeah, she's she poked l- it with a stick. She's lucky it didn't eat her. I don't think, I don't think they do. I think they eat sheep every once in a while. But, uh, but they're terrified of people I was gonna say, for a good reason. When you're frightened. If you listen to our Patreon episode about the lambdin worm, you'll know why they are scared of people. Yeah. It's that's called generational trauma. Yeah, if you get butchered so many times, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna avoid that. So yeah, I think it's a giant salamander. I think those cases are them dis- as a threat display. They raise their tail up. They're kind of trying to show their little underbelly. Yeah. Uh, that so almost all newts and salamanders, well, depending on the species, almost always have a dark back and a light belly. And reason is so they can keep their belly hidden until they're threatened and they can show off their pretty colors. Mm. Yeah, it's just I mean. That's pretty threatening, ain't it? Yeah. At least in nature. <laughs> sure. And then they could even have false eye spots on their tail or whatever. Oh, I could see that then, yeah. Uh, as Cause... like, look how big I am. Look how tall I am. Right. That, and that's like its head standing way up, mm-hmm. like hovering over you. Yeah. Uh, lizards. A lot of lizards have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So I, mean, I saved this too. Sorry, go on. No, no. I was just going to say, you said lizards. I mean, butterflies have that. They just look real big and scary. Yeah. Uh, birds have it. So I saved this for the end. Uh, I'll tag a link for this video, too, but I already showed it to Jay. It was captured uh, last year, and it is the video of a creature walking from the deep trench out onto the shallow shore and sitting there in the shallow water basking in the sun, Mm. but never broke the surface. So these creatures would not have to breathe air if uh, most species of aquatic salamander newt don't need to come out of the lake to breathe air. Right. Uh, but every once in a while, you want to go lay in the sun and get warm. Mm-hmm. It's very cold. Uh, this, Like I said, this amazing article, they did pages and pages of research explaining that when people see these long necks rays, they're almost always at the trench level. What I mean by that is where the shallow water goes into the deep water. Right. So let's say you're 30 or 40 foot long, and you start, you have a more rigid tail, like a paddle-like tail. Yeah. It raises up as you are diving into the diving trench. Diving down into it. Okay. So your head's going down into the trench, but your tail's shooting up out of the water. Mm-hmm. Just has the body plan. And you're, these creatures are living in the lock, and they may be going in the rivers and stuff. We talked about the one being seen in the river. Yeah. Uh, going in the rivers. 
to breed. Like the Trans Alpstrand salamander. Mm. And then back into the lake, into the bottom, yeah. to live their life. You're not going to see them on sonar unless you know what you're looking for. When I go, when I look for a sturgeon, it's very hard to find them unless you don't know what you're looking for for the sonar. Right, exactly. Uh, they might just be a bump, a log on the bottom. I mean, no difference. I can't believe you got that episode two, the walking backwards. <sighs> Something about it. It spoke to me. Yeah. I think it's because it's the truth, you know? I, I, I think it's, I really do think she's a giant salamander. Uh, so there's a better picture. It just looks like a big fat salamander. Oh yeah, I see it. Yeah, I see it. I, it is what it is. Uh, I thought we saw a picture, you know, a couple of weeks ago or something. You showed me one where uh, it was another picture from overhead, just like that. But you could see the tail and the head. That's that same one. That's oh, the same video. One. Okay, okay. Yeah, this is the video that uh, several of them you can see. The creature, yeah, I think it's a giant salamander. Because, and the one thing for this too, like, after seeing this photo and stuff, you see the tail, the way it kind of sticks out of the body. You could confuse that for, like, a plesiosaur-type head. Especially if that's what you're looking for. Yes, if that's what you're looking for. But after, and we had discussed this before in the past, that it may be a giant salamander. The first time I seen that picture, I know what a salamander is. I'm pretty familiar with them now. At least what they look like, and not so much their biology and things like that. But just identifying one. When I first saw the photo, I didn't see a big long neck and head. That the first thing I saw in that was it looked like a tail, and then a salamander head on the other end. Where, you know, if it was a plesiosaur, it'd be flipped the other way around. But knowing what having that salamander angle looked exactly like a, just a big old salamander. It's crazy. I I don't know. I think I know you think this, but I think we're both in agreement on this one that. That's what this probably is. I think I think almost all the actual credible sightings yeah. are a giant salamander. I think they used to go on land a lot more before the endur- uh, the urbanization of the local area. Uh, well, before that road was built and before there was so much travel on it, you know, I, it was probably a lot more of a common thing for it to crawl up out in the land. Yeah. Whatever it's doing, foraging or hunting or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I do think uh, – so we uh, – did we just talk about that on Patreon? So uh, they basically, what they used to do around Loch Ness in the winter, the Loch Ness monster would come out on the land and eat sheep. Yes. And most people don't realize this. Salamanders and newts kind of like the winter a lot more than they like the summer. They prefer the cold. Really? They're opposite reptiles. People really kind of associate them with reptiles. Yeah. They are very dissimilar. So do they have like, I mean, reptiles are cold-blooded so they need the sun stuff to heat up their bodies do sal- salamanders need that uh not no no it's they're they're geared they're geared differently okay it's like uh it's like uh think of like tropical fish versus cold water fish okay they're very geared differently pike thrive in 30 degree water right exactly. so if you throw a pike in florida it's not going to do well hmm, interesting but you take a peacock bass from the amazon and throw it in the michigan lake it's gonna it's nothing. not gonna do good no. it's pretty much gonna turn off yeah uh so they used to take these sheep and they basically this giant monster would come out of the lock and eat sheep at night. So what they would do is take their shit, their 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 sheep that are weak, old, uh, just you know not going to make it through the winter probably, mm-hmm. and take them and nail them to a stake down by the uh, by the lake. Yeah, right. And in the morning they'd be gone. They did this for hundreds of years. And they were always gone, huh? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. What I mean, never mind. Guess you couldn't then. They could have had someone just stake it out and watch, and draw a description. They don't want to think about it. 
At this point, at that point, people thought it was the devil. Yeah, never mind. I guess I wouldn't want to stick. The devil. Yeah, I wouldn't stick around for that either. From the Bible. I would just wipe my hands, yep. go to bed. It ate a sheep. All right, it's not going to eat us tonight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think that's what they're thinking. Hmm. It's a probably it's a big salamander. Just coming and chomping on a sheep. Oh, I think it, yeah, when it's hungry and it's there on the platter. Well, I bet it's grabbing it and dragging it into the water like too. Like a crocodile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the Nessies attacked people. Nessies attack our deer and stuff like that, thrashing. Uh, salamanders are quite curious animals too. So go back to the when the giant animal was following the boat around. Yeah. It definitely screamed to me either sturgeon or salamander. Just being curious. And yeah. Yep. Just hmm. being like attracted to the noise. They don't see very well. Yeah. Keep that in mind. They don't see extremely well. At least none of them are, are examples of salamandra today. But they probably sense very well. You know, yeah, like, yeah, they have all kinds of sensory organs and stuff like that. They just don't see great. Yeah, exactly. And the bigger you are, probably the more sensitive those organs are, correct? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't freaking know. Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole point of hunting and stuff like that. And then the food. That's the other big thing with the salamander theory. They don't need to eat very often. So, like, my whole room of salamanders, I feed everybody twice a week, mostly. Uh, some species eat a little more. Yeah. I could probably not feed anything in that room for six, seven, eight months. I don't know. Really? Yeah. And they'd be fine? Yeah. Wow. They wouldn't be happy. No, no, no. But they would survive. Yeah. Now, That's now nice. make it 25 foot long with a fat reserve to match. You get one sheep in you. Yeah, I mean, literally, but they're probably only really eating anymore if they are still around. They're probably only really eating anymore during the salmon runs when all those dead salmon come floating back into the river. And they just they're just engorging themselves. Load up, stocking mm-hmm. up. Hmm. That's what someone needs to record then. So if we ever do it, if we ever get the money, you know, we get enough people to donate so we can get a trip, you know, find the Loch Ness Monster. If we have a, an $18,000 Patreon donation, yes, we'll be on the next plane. And we will find the Loch Ness Monster. We'll go during the salmon run when it's over. We're wrapping up. I'll take my big fishing pole and we'll put a dead salmon on it. And I'll have my homemade harpoon gun loaded up in the back. And we'll get us a Loch Ness Monster. We'll have a salamander skin coming back. Yeah, it would shrink. Where's a hat? <laughs> but no, I really do think it's a giant salamander. No, I'm I'm with you on this, 100. percent And it's weird because I did when I did that giant paper in college. Yeah, it was a giant eel. Mm, my, how things change. I mean, you can make it whatever you want, right? I still think the giant eel thing is a possibility for some of the stuff, but I think the main legend and lore comes from a giant salamander. Yeah, and he might still be hanging around. He may still be hanging around. How long do salamanders live for? And our uh, Andreas. Let's just say if one's undisturbed. And depend our, a, our modern species of giant salamander, eighty to two hundred years. Okay. Uh, Interesting. These guys could be like Greenland sharks. Yeah. Where they get so big because they grow really slow, mm-hmm. and they have a super slow metabolism. So this could be you know a three four hundred year old salamander. It's just made it through. Yeah. There could have only been four or five generations since the legend started. Right. Yeah. And that's nuts to think about. And they're just hanging on, maybe? Greenland sharks live to be 700 years old. Right. So there's a thing called functionally extinct. And that means members of the species are still present, but the breeding population is no longer sustainable. Right, it's too small. Because these, these are animals like rhinos and stuff like that that take that live super long lifespans, but don't breed very quickly. Right, they have like one offspring, and it takes like eight years. I, I'm worried that, they are, that we may be down to one or two Nessies. Maybe a couple more, I don't know. If they're if they're really giant salamanders, there could be uh, there could be hundreds of them. Maybe even less. You don't know. There could be two. Yeah, they could be, be functionally extinct. Mm-hmm. 
I bet they are. But like you said, if they live that long. And then, so there was, like we talked about it on Patreon, there was these kind of monsters all over the uh, the United Kingdom. Yeah. Like everywhere. In every major lake and river, they were there. Watershed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I like using That's a word. Yeah. <laughs> every major lake and watershed. It makes you just sound smarter. It's a giant salamander. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. You heard it here. Anything else to add for Nessie? The legend of Nessie. Hopefully we did it good for you guys. Big old salamander. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Hell of a thing to end season two on. Yeah. Glad we finally tackled this one. I'm glad we waited this long too. It's a good story. Nessie needs some new light shine on her. Mm -hmm. She needs a resurgence. And we're not the first one to come up with the the giant salamander theory, but I just think it's, it's definitely the one. It's the most plausible, ain't it? It's you know, it's a hundred percent. It's it. You heard it. I'm now, never wrong. You heard it here first, though. It's guaranteed a giant salamander. Guaranteed. That. Yep. With a T. Guaranteed. <laughs> Once again, Excuse guys, me. thank you for the amazing support you've given us. Yep. Can't uh, say it enough. We have gathered such a amazing listener slash friend base. Mm-hmm. You guys are awesome. I'll tell you about it. It's from all the other podcasts we hang out with and stuff like that. We definitely have the most fun with you guys. Uh, we have a really good relationship as much as you guys want. You know, we're always active on Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. You guys make this really worth it and your support and everything. Thank you so much. And I agree 100% with all a that. A year ago, did you think we'd be on the charts in the world? No, I didn't think we'd be doing three hours on Nessie either. I, I figured we would eventually, but <laughs> I didn't think anybody would be listening. Exactly. There's like nine to 10,000 people out there that are listening to this. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right, the last time for season two, I have been the great and gracious Ooh. Mr. E. First time I've changed in a long time. A long time, and I've been your scallywag, Jay. <laughs> and together, we were Crips the Corn Podcast. We're signing off for the last time for season two. We'll catch you in a couple weeks. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.